It's Monday, May 23rd. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Maryland's COVID-19 positivity rate continues to rise, topping 8 percent. With more than a month to go until Maryland's primary election, candidates are racking up the endorsements. But in such a crowded field, how much sway does it hold with voters? And it's National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. A doctor shares some simple steps to manage spring allergies and asthma. It's The Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Maryland's COVID-19 positivity rate continues to climb. It's at 8.55 percent. The state health department's latest case count in a 24-hour period is 2,184. Hospitalizations are also up at 432, and three people have died. Of Marylanders aged 5 and up, 92.3 percent have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Booster rates have seen little improvement. Just over half of those fully vaccinated have received one. An investigation by Baltimore County's Inspector General found that 838 county employees did not receive a 2% pay raise they were supposed to get in January. Inspector General Kelly Madigan says her investigation found it was an accidental oversight. County officials say they are looking into it. Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho announced today the state gas tax will increase from 36 cents to nearly 43 cents a gallon on July 1st. In a letter this morning, Governor Larry Hogan asked Francho to halt or minimize the increase. But as Francho replied, that's beyond his control. Under state law, the gas tax is indexed to inflation. According to a Francho spokeswoman, there is no provision that allows a comptroller to unilaterally halt or suspend the automatic increase. In his letter, Francho asked Hogan to declare a state of emergency under his powers as governor and suspend the state gas tax until September. Dozens of people are recovering from injuries after a coach bus overturned in Baltimore County. The megabus was on its way from New York to Washington, D.C., when it flipped over yesterday morning along Interstate 95. Fifteen of the nearly 50 passengers on board were rushed to the hospital. No word yet on what may have led to the crash. As Maryland's primary races warm up, the candidates, especially the ones running for governor, are touting their endorsements on almost a daily basis. WYPR's Joel McCord takes a look at how much endorsements give candidates sway with voters. Among the Democrats, Wes Moore, an author and entrepreneur, has an impressive list of endorsements from veteran politicians. They include Adrian Jones, Speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates, and U.S. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. He announced his support last month in a marked train station parking lot on the campus of Bowie State University. Wes Moore is unique, unlike others. He is uniquely suited to bring a message of hope and possibility to this race. Tom Perez, the former Maryland and U.S. Labor Secretary and former head of the Democratic National Committee, lists U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on his website and he had an exuberant delegate, Luke Clippinger, at the opening of his Baltimore headquarters. So for me, this is really simple. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how. What he needs is you! 
But did these endorsements really help the candidates? Todd Eberly, a political science professor at St. Mary's College of Maryland, says some endorsements are worth more than others. Nancy Pelosi, daughter of former Baltimore Mayor Tommy D'Alessandro Jr., does have deep roots in Maryland. But Hoyer is more physically connected with the state of Maryland. He can show up, he can campaign for somebody. Um, He's got more of an in-state network. So I think when it comes to, you know, boots on the ground, his endorsement probably means more as far as resources. Many of the others in the crowded Democratic field claim the endorsements of mayors of small cities in Maryland or candidates for offices like county commissioner. Comptroller Peter Francho has more than 100 former and current elected officials listed on his website. And former Maryland Attorney General Doug Gansler has endorsements from 41 current and former state attorneys general on his website. But endorsements from out-of-state figures don't mean that much, says John Deedy, a political science professor at the Community College of Baltimore County. What would really move the needle, he says, would be celebrity endorsements. If someone like Lamar Jackson or a or a Cal Ripken endorsed a candidate, that would get a lot of media bucks. These other little these endorsements that you know these other candidates have gotten from out-of-state people, they They don't generate a media buzz. Two of the Republicans, Kelly Schultz, who served seven years in Governor Larry Hogan's cabinet, and Dan Cox, a freshman delegate from Frederick County, split the pro-Trump and anti-Trump factions in the state party. Schultz got Hogan's ringing endorsement at a rally in March. There's only one candidate who has the experience the ability and the desire to keep moving Maryland forward, your next governor, Kelly Schultz. Cox has a written endorsement from former President Trump, who called him MAGA all the way, and the endorsement of Douglas Mastriano, a far-right Pennsylvania state senator who just won the GOP primary for governor there. It was recorded at the Maryland Monument on Gettysburg National Battlefield. He stands for life, protection of your Second Amendment, and all the freedoms that are uh, delineated in our Constitution. And so with Dan, he has our full endorsement and support, and he's, you can find no better man to lead your great state to the greatness that it should have. Melissa Deckman, chair of the political science department at Washington College in Chestertown, says those endorsements are unlikely to help Cox in a state with a two-to-one Democratic voter registration edge where Donald Trump polled only 32% of the vote in 2020. Maryland Republicans are looking for electability, she says, and they don't see it in Cox, who was at the January 6th rally in Washington trying to overturn the election of President Joe Biden. But Schultz, she says, still must walk a fine line. I think Kelly Schultz has tried to kind of try to thread that needle of not alienating Trump voters, but at the same time, you know, making sure she's got enough centrists coming out to vote for her. And she's really hammering about electability, linking herself to Hogan. I think that's the smart strategy. While the Republicans are split along pro-Trump, pro-Hogan lines, the Democrats are splitting labor endorsements. Wes Moore, for example, has nailed down the Maryland State Education Association, the teachers' union. And Tom Perez has endorsements from Ask Me, the state employees' union, and the Communications Workers of America. But Eberly of St. Mary's College and Dee of the Community College of Baltimore County differ on what they're worth. Dee says he doesn't see much value in labor union endorsements other than providing a few activists who can knock on doors. Unions aren't what they were 50 years ago as far as their influence and also the fact that a lot of union members 
you know, they don't loot, they don't say, oh my God, my union has supported them. I gotta support them too. They're very independent thinkers. Eberly concedes labor union endorsements aren't as valuable as they once were, but in Maryland, he says they do matter. Public sector unions are still relatively powerful and still have pretty substantial membership. So I would say that it it varies by state and it varies by the strength of the individual union. And we just happen to be in a state where public sector unions are still relatively strong. And there's one other factor, the timing of the endorsements. Deckman says with the primary date pushed to July because of suits over redistricting maps, that'll be especially tricky for Democrats who tend to vote early by mail. So uh, you don't want to wait too long because... You know, once people start voting my mail, it's a done deal. But you don't want to peak too soon, warns Everly. The impact could fade. Many voters just aren't paying that much attention yet. I think most folks are just waiting for the school year to end and then start thinking about their summer vacations. Uh, some of these endorsements, other than the fact that they help people raise money, which is needed all the time, every time, um, some high-profile endorsements are probably better served in the two or three weeks right before the uh, primary. That would be sometime in late June. The primary is July 19th. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News. Allergies and asthma affect tens of millions of Americans each year, but the symptoms aren't always the same, and it may be confusing to tell them apart and figure out how to treat them. To help us out this National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month, we have Dr. Alvin Sinico. Dr. Sinico is an asthma and allergy specialist based at the Greater Baltimore Medical Center in Towson, and he's also an assistant professor of medicine at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Sinico says symptoms of asthma include difficulty breathing, chest tightness, wheezing, or a dry cough, but you won't necessarily have all of those symptoms. Some patients with asthma never develop wheezing. Uh, some patients who are asthmatic just develop dry cough that is recurrent. For those who have asthma, the symptoms can be just mild or it can be severe. It can be intermittent, meaning you have chest symptoms once in a while, it can be persistent, meaning you have chest symptoms every single day. They aren't quite the same as allergy symptoms, which are triggered by inflammation. And when inflammation happens, you can expect the development of symptoms. That can range from sneezing, the development of secretions, either runny nose uh, in front or post-nasal drip, or any combination of those. But allergy symptoms can be an underlying factor for asthma. And the two conditions often go hand in hand. The underlying problem with asthma is inflammation. And inflammation can be triggered or exacerbated by allergen sensitivity for those who are allergic. For people with spraying allergies, this can be an especially difficult time because of tree pollen. But you might be allergic to something else. And Dr. Sinico says it's best to get tested to find out what exactly triggers your allergies. That way you can minimize exposure which he says is one of the key strategies for allergy relief, along with medication and immunotherapy or allergy shots. Practice, we don't use needles for testing here because some uh, patients may have the notion that allergy testing is something that, you know, is cumbersome and uh, is time-consuming and painful. But now we use 
certain you know plastic devices that we use to introduce the different allergens that are prevalent in the area on the skin it's applied on your arms or for for smaller children if it can fit on the arms we do it on the back so it's applied there on the skin and we see the results in 20 minutes again that's dr alvin sinico asthma and allergy specialist based at the greater baltimore medical center in towson he says it's especially helpful to get tested to make sure you have allergy symptoms especially with covid cases on the rise Allergies and COVID-19, along with the flu and common cold, can have similar symptoms. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Callan tanzel Suddeth. Our digital content director is Jamila Krempel, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy. Stay sane and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Thanks for listening.